searching it. I started uh, looking into what typically is done. And I, when I came back to him, I'm like, you know, it's not just about ceasing. It's not just about like, let's. Welcome to This Mom Knows. I'm your host, Jen Uren. Life as a mompreneur keeps us constantly on our toes. Between coordinating schedules, working out logistics, and managing deadlines, it can often feel like the last thing we have time for is rest. Well, Rachel Fehrenbach joins us today to tell us why the first thing we need to think about is rest. If you're interested in links for any resources shared in today's conversation, or you would like a transcript of today's episode, you can find that at thismomknows.com slash podcast. Rachel Fehrenbach is an author and storyteller learning to embrace her unique design. Through her writing, she invites you to see the gift of Sabbath as a guide for discovering your sense of identity purpose, and belonging. Rachel is no stranger to being unique. She grew up the oldest of eight kids in a Christian homeschooling family where she discovered that she was a creative. Learning to embrace her unique design has been a journey, and now she helps others implement a weekly Sabbath practice that gives space to the questions of who am I and why am I here? So welcome, Rachel. Thank you for having me, Jen. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Now, that gave us a little overview of what you do, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are, um, where you're from, maybe a little bit about you and your your own family, not necessarily the family you came from. <laughs> um, yeah, so my I'm married. Um, my husband, Steve, and I have three kids. Our oldest is going to be 10 and she reminds me of that every day these days um and then we have an almost eight-year-old and a four and a half year old and so um they are a lot of fun a lot of work and all the things right um yes. but i love being a mom i really do uh we homeschool and we live in the chicagoland area and i excellent yeah i don't know there's any more you want to know about them. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are fun ages because you're starting to get a lot of the independence, but you're not quite all the way at the teen attitude that's coming. But you, you, these are the fun years, you know? Yeah, that's what everybody keeps telling me. <laughs> I do enjoy it. My kids are really creative kids. Um, and so it's fun to walk in on like fort building and invention building and um, stories that are being written and played out. And so it's a, it is a fun age to watch them get to explore the world in that way. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So today, you know, something that you know about is Sabbath and rest. And so we're going to talk about that today. But before we dig into that, let's just back up a little bit. And let's start talking about this idea you introduced of embracing who God made you to be. Um, what was it that started you down the path of exploring the idea that being who God created us um, to be was something that we needed to embrace in the first place? Um, that's a good question. So as from my bio, you know, I kind of felt like an outsider a lot of my um, childhood and teenage years and even into college. Uh, those different experiences, while I loved being homeschooled, I loved being part of a big family, 
they did make me feel like I was a little bit on the outside of things. But even more so was the way in which I kind of processed the world. I feel things very um, intensely at times and I can respond pretty emotionally. And I would get a lot of criticisms for that. Uh, I would be told that I was being sensitive or that I shouldn't care what people think of me or different things like that. Um, I was also uh, just, I could see a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different viewpoints. Um, and that was a little overwhelming at times. And mm -hmm. so there was this part of me that would get criticized. And so I started trying to chisel away at that. I wouldn't call myself a people pleaser. Like I wasn't fully um, somebody who would like just bend to the whims of somebody else. But I did definitely try to um, get rid of the things that I knew people wouldn't like about my about my personality. And so um, that kind of prevailed throughout my um, life. Uh, I got to the so point. You, you of, took that criticism to heart. If somebody did, said this, you, you really I took it to heart. And I um, and I would and what was even more interesting is that I would hear what other people were saying about people around me and I would take that criticism to heart too. I was like, oh, note to self, people don't like X, Y, and Z. And I would try to like mold myself. And um, while not getting rid of myself and completely, I just didn't want to be unliked. And so I, um, about five years ago, everything that I knew as stable and good and working and all the things kind of got pulled out from underneath me. Looking back now, I can see that God was working in all those moments, but at the time it felt very lonely. It felt very um, just kind of everything exploded is what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly was being faced with this question of like, who am I? Because I thought I was being a good mom. I thought I was being a good spouse. I thought I was being a good friend, thought I was being a good ministry leader. And yet none of those things seemed to be going well. And if they're not going well, then who am I? And uh, at the time, I felt uh, very like disjointed and through a variety of um, things, ended up starting to consider the practice of Sabbath. And in was in that space of Sabbath that I started to really talk with God about those questions of who am I and what am I here for? And he started answering me and started showing me that it wasn't about what I was doing, but who I was at the core is how he had designed me. And so through that conversation with him, I started to understand, okay, to embrace my unique design meant more than just doing things, but actually living into who I was and not apologizing for that, but, um, or feeling like it was wrong or all these things, but learning what it meant to, um, to embrace those things in a way that was submitting to the Holy Spirit at the same time. So instead of trying to figure out how you fit into a situation, you started leading with who you were and what you could offer to the situation. Is that yes. kind of a, a yes. fair flip? Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's subtle, but it's powerful. It, it really is because you, you move from a position of um, I'm headed into a situation um, and what is it that they're expecting from me to heading into a, a situation saying, this is what I can offer and how can I serve? Okay. And so that's a different perspective when you're in, especially in the space of community. 
and, yeah. you know, relationships. And I think it probably trickles even to how you manage your own self. So like I have the really unique position of having known you for several years and having you know, known you through this. And for example, I've always known you um, as a writer, but I've really seen you transition from being a writer as an aspiration of what you would like to be known for to something that, you know, and something that was tangential to your real life to really it becoming a core part of who you are every day. So is that kind of what you're talking about with this embracing your unique design? Yes. Yes. And no, Okay. <laughs> because um, I have to, I, it's hard with the, with the example of being a writer, because uh, we tend to think of a writer as somebody who publishes things and, um, what I've come to understand is that there's actually like two different types of writers. There's, or the two parts of writing. There's the part of like the crafting, the creation, the um, processing through the written word. And then there's also like the work of being a writer. There's the business side of it. And so okay. I just want to like clarify that what I'm learning to, I'm actually learning to embrace both sides of things. But how mm -hmm. I came to embrace the craft side of things as part of my identity was uh, a few years ago, I was in a small group and the small group leader um, referenced a podcast episode by Emily P. Freeman um, in, in that, I believe it was um, Welcome Yourself Home or something like that. I can't remember the exact title of the podcast, but she um, read part of it. And then later on, I went back and listened to the episode and in that episode, Emily, and I never heard of Emily before. I was like, who is this person? Um, but she had asked this question about if you were to show up on your doorstep, how would you welcome yourself in? And I was like, that's a very interesting question because it was in the space of this five years where everything felt so chaotic. And so like, I didn't know who I was anymore. And there was parts of myself that I was like very upset with. And, um, and I would, and my response to that episode was to write a short story. Mm. So I had two characters and they were both me. And it was from the perspective of each character. And they, the two characters talked about each other, once again, both of them being me, but about each other and about the things that they missed about each other and the things that they didn't like about each other. And it really was about who I had become and who I knew I was at my core. And so I processed this identity question through writing. And that's when I really started to understand that I personally have to take all these big emotions, these big thoughts, these big um, ideas and process them with my creator in the space of writing. And so for mm -hmm. me, that's how I, I really, when I understood a little bit more tangibly that even if I never published a thing, right, I needed to keep writing and I needed yeah. to make space for it in my everyday life or else I was going to have too many bottled up emotions that I couldn't process properly. Mm -hmm. um, it Writing for me is almost like prayer and it really is a, a sacred space um, with, with God. So it really, it required intentionality and moving it from this, um, you know, pampering selfish type of enjoyable activity to mm -hmm. this is this is life-giving to me and that was part yes. of how you embraced okay that makes yes. sense 
side note, what's interesting, and I don't think I didn't realize all that about the small group and that episode, which I will link to in the show notes, but that same small group, that same episode sent me on my journey of getting to where I am today. So that's, that's just really interesting. It's very funny, isn't it? I think I've, I think I've heard you mention that before. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting that that happened. Um, but it's interesting because how did you respond? Like, how did you begin to process that episode? Like, what was your, like, how did you go about um, analyzing it? It was the beginning of giving me permission to start to say no to what other people wanted from me and to begin to take things off my plate so that I could be who I was supposed to be, which at that time was um, a mom to the the two littles that we had just adopted and that I didn't have the space in my life to really give them what they needed. So, um, so it took a lot of things off my plate. Let me figure out who I was, what I'm supposed to be doing, and then intentionally add in whatever supported that. So, so I think it would be interesting. Like, did you make a list and start crossing those things off, like moving them off your list? Um, yes, because I'm much more of a list person. <laughs> yes, yes, but I think it's interesting. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that the way that we respond to processing things and the way that we respond to um, these identity questions say a lot about who we are at our core. Like you're a very analytical person, Jen, and you're like, yeah. you have to think through things, right? And I'm no. more on this like storytelling side of things. And so I had to process through storytelling and you had to process through an analytical list, right? So right, I just, yes. I think that's where, how, I think that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying embracing your unique design, understanding that it's actually more than just what you do. It's more than just what you like or what your preferences are. It's about who you are at your core, that the way in which you respond to the world, the way that your hopes and your dreams and your fears, the ways that your sin tendencies are, your growing up, your background, all those things inform your community, how your community has shaped you, all those things inform who you are. And one of the things that came out of that exercise of writing the story was this moment where God like showed me, he's like, Rachel, you're trying to chip away at these things. And that's not what I'm calling you to do. I'm not calling you to chisel away. I'm calling you to let me restore them to what they should have been in the first place. And when I realized that embracing my design, my unique design was not about like being empowered to be more of who I was. It was more about being empowered to become more of who God had designed me to be. That's when I really felt like I had so much peace about it. And I stopped worrying about making, I mean, I still, I still worry at times about making mistakes. And like, I am afraid of like people being upset with me and I'm working on that. That's something I'm trying to hand over to God, but that fear lessened its grip on me a little bit. Hmm. So you've kind of, you've kind of talked about this journey of embracing your own unique design, but I'm especially curious to know, how did you create the space in your life to do this with children in tow? Because when you have kids, you don't have the luxury of, I will take a day, I will go on a long walk by the waterfront or, you know, all these things that you normally think of when you ponder or work through a life change. So um, a couple of ways. It was it was a it wasn't an overnight switch, right? Like it was a couple of trial it trying things and then adjusting those things. And one of the things that we tried was um, first I I had joined a writing group and that helped me immensely because it gave me language for things that I knew 
in, intuitively, but I didn't have words to describe. Kind of like, um, for example, talking about crack time and chunk time, which is kind mm -hmm. of a funny term, but really what that means is that there are certain tasks tasks that you can do while you're multitasking or like in 15 minute increments, but there's some work that you can do that you cannot do like that. You have to have like a dedicated three or four hours to really dive in. And having that language and understanding that began a comp gave me a way to talk to my husband about mm -hmm. the need to create a schedule that will allow for that. And so um, we do homeschool. So I needed to protect that. Um, that is a priority of ours. And there's, it became really clear all of a sudden that, oh my goodness, there's not many hours in the day. And so we had to get creative. And one of the ways we got creative was on Saturday mornings is my work morning. Mm -hmm. um, and fr well, Friday nights and Saturday mornings are my like really big chunks of time. But what I, um, what really helped me though, was this practice of Sabbath that we created mm -hmm. in our week. And I didn't, know it at the time when we first thought about making Sabbath a practice for us, um, that it would allow for this moment of really understanding who I am and processing those things. We, um, but in that space of, of creating this 24 hour Sabbath for our family to, pra to practice together, I was finding I suddenly had this hour of time to myself that I got to sit with God and say, okay, tell me, let's reflect on my past week. Show me what had you want me to know about this past week. Show me where you've shown up and I've missed it and show me where I could use um, some refining and show me ways that I can love others. And so that was, that particularly has been huge in helping me understand who I am and so what he wants me to do. Let's talk about Sabbath. So um, most of us know it as one of the Ten Commandments and something that was required to be met, an obligation. So what exactly is Sabbath, at least from the way that you're approaching it? Yeah. So there's a lot of different viewpoints on Sabbath, which it's very interesting. Um, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, I'm going to mess up the title. I think it's called The History of Sunday, I think is what it's called. And I forget the author's name. Um, but he, he is talking specifically about how the concept of Sunday developed throughout the centuries after Jesus's death and resurrection. And what is interesting to me is that um, Sunday, as we know it, is not what Sabbath is. It's not. Um, and it wasn't what the early Christian church would have practiced either. Sabbath truly is this commandment that God gave to the Israelites to show them that a better way of life. And um, so for me, when I look at Sabbath in the scriptures, the things that jump out at me are a couple, couple things. Uh, one, I believe it's part of the creation fabric. I think the fabric of creation. Um, we see the six days that God works. And then on the seventh, he dwells with his creation. He rests with his creation. Um, he communes with them. And so I personally see Sabbath as God's, um, his dwelling with with us, his communion, communion with us and his wanting to be with us. And I, I see Sabbath. Um, that's what it was originally intended to be, right? That Sabbath day was God being with us. And what has happened because of sin that obviously was broken and um, we lost that as a, as humanity, we lost that intimacy with God. 
But God gave the Israelites a practice to remind them of that coming, that that coming restoration that was going to take place where that that intimacy with him was going to be um, restored. And so the practice of Sabbath is meant to remind them of that. Um, In Exodus, we see another layer where it's to remind them that they're no longer slaves, that Mm -hmm. God is their redeemer and he is, you know, he gives them freedom. And these, the symbolism all starts pointing to Jesus and what Jesus's ultimate, you know, death and resurrection was going to bring about. So to me, Sabbath is a symbol, symbolism of this better rest that was coming, the Sabbath practice that God gave to the Israelites. But now this side of the cross, I see Sabbath as a way to remind us that of Christ's work on the cross, but also what's going to be coming when there is a new heaven and a new earth established. And so that final real rest with God, where that intimacy with God is fully restored and we get to live with him. Um, so that's what I see Sabbath as. And so in that space of it being symbolic and a reminder, um, I approach it that we don't have to be legalistic with it. But I do think that there are some things that um, the Jew- Jewish tradition has carried throughout the centuries that is beneficial in that symbolism. And um, I do think there is something to be said about it being a 24 hour day since it was designed that way originally, um, that original creation story. Um, And even in Exodus, when it talks about a day, um, that 24 hour period, I think really allows for more than just, it, it gives us physical rest, but it also gives us opportunities to reconnect with God and with others. And so, um, it's a space in which to do all that. So for your family or for any family, what I hear you saying is it's an intentional time of stopping and focusing on relationship primarily with God, but secondarily relationship amongst your family. Would that be correct? Yes. You've said it so much better than I could. (laughs) No, that's perfect. That's exactly what it is. It is, it is an intentional setting aside of time to reconnect with God and others. It really is. And so I've watched you as you have practiced the rhythm and the routine of implementing a weekly Sabbath for your family. Um, I've seen the impact that this intentional rest and reflection has had on you personally. Um, But really, it's counterintuitive because there just feels like there's so much we have to do, so much that demands our attention. And I think this idea that you have to carve out time and space and stop is actually what keeps most of us from even entertaining this idea because I have too much to do to stop. So tell me how you kind of broached this idea with your husband and got your family on board with this crazy idea of carving out a whole day. (laughs) Yeah, because we do do a 24-hour Sabbath. Um, So yeah, it is a little a little counterintuitive. I was very fortunate in the fact that both my husband and I were part of a small group that was going through the Ten Commandments. And I was asking some questions in that Bible study. Um, And he was there with me hearing my questions and hearing the answers and hearing the conversation and contributing to that conversation. So I was fortunate in that we both walked out of that, like that Bible study time going, I think there's more to this thing then our culture gives it and that there's something here that is a gift 
that we need to really, really um, embrace for the lack of a better word, but right. um, to really like start thinking about for our own lives about what that could look like, what that practice could look like. And so um, it was, I, I will be honest, like there was a little pushback from my husband. He's like, wait a second, how can we really fit this in? Like our weekends are the only time we have to do things. Like, how are we going to like really like devote a whole 24 hour period? And I, um, so I started researching it. I started uh, looking into what typically is done. And I, when I came back to him, I'm like, you know, it's not just about ceasing. It's not just about like, let's not do anything for 24 hours. It's let's relax. Let's reconnect with one another. Let's reconnect with God. Let's remember what he has, how he's provided for us. Let's remember um, Jesus's death and resurrection. Let's, um, let's have a time of rejoicing and, and celebrating and um, these different things. And so when I put it that way to my husband, he's like, oh, okay. Like, we're not just like, like, let's just be at home for 24 hours just sitting on the couch right. doing nothing or napping or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so that was, that was the beginning of the conversation about how we could really tailor it to, um, to be something that we enjoyed and delighted in and, and found life from instead of just like I think we do our I think we do a disservice right now in our um we our culture just doesn't really have and I'm by culture I mean like Western you know Western yeah. church culture we we just don't really have a full understanding of what Sabbath could be we we've kind of like adopted this idea that Sabbath is just Sunday all day and you go to church in the morning and then you you kind of do some stuff in the afternoon and we we're not very intentional with it and so we really don't have a framework and so a lot of my husband's hesitation was just coming out of that like what is the framework like how do you even do this thing and so as we developed a structure for what our 24 hours looked like that's when um, we could just rest in that structure rest in that time frame um and we know what's going to happen with our Sabbath. We know yeah. each week what's going to happen. And I think there's a little bit of release that can happen when you know what's, what's coming. Yeah. And I appreciate that you've said it's intentional, but not legalistic. Um, because I, I was at a, a retreat several years ago that talked about this idea. And one of the women there had a personal 24 hour Sabbath period, but she was like, it starts at, you know, two o'clock on Tuesday. And my family knows at 201, they better not interrupt and ask a question. They should have thought of it at 159. And mm. I thought it, it was such a turnoff to me because I thought, well, this is, you know, <laughs> why would, why, it's not inviting. Where what right. I feel like what you're suggesting is inviting to everyone. And now you, your kids are little enough. You were able to just sort of tell them yeah, this is what we're doing. And you know what, they actually, because, um, you know, it gives them something to look forward to, too, because we do a, a meal together to start our Sabbath time, because we actually do um, Saturday afternoon, late afternoon to Sunday late, late afternoon. And it gives them, they know that after our meal, they have one-on-one -on -one time with us. That's part mm -hmm. of our reconnection with them. And so mm -hmm. they're like all about it because they know they get mom and dad all to themselves for a good 20 minutes or so. And mm -hmm. they get to pick whatever they want to do during that time. That's how we've yeah. structured our reconnection with them during that 24 hours. They also know that mom and dad won't be working during that time. 
They know mm -hmm. that we're not, if we're on our phones, it's to take a picture or yeah. to look up directions somewhere, right? Um, I'm not completely like, oh, our phone is nowhere near me. Like that's not, um, right. because I think, it's like, a I don't have a camera, so one, right. I would miss pictures. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and only my phone has a working camera too. So Steve can't even take pictures. Um, but we do, like they know that these things are true and they know mm -hmm. that they can expect it and they know that it's gonna happen. And so mm -hmm. for them, they're like, yeah, we like Sabbath because Sabbath means we're with mom and dad and we get their attention and they're not having to work. So mm. now you had talked earlier about having this hour to sit and pray and reflect and speak with God, which sounds like that is part of how Sabbath has helped you in embracing who you are. But how do you ensure that each pe each person in your family has space to do something like that as well? Or do you? Um, that's a really good question. Yes, we do. So our Sabbath meal, um, our Sabbath meal has a specific script that I, I go, um, we read. Um, and in that, in that time frame, we, um, we remember the, you know, how God has provided for us through salvation, you know, the salvation that Christ brings. We do communion with our kids during that time. And we, um, and then we talk about our weeks in, you know, some ways we do a devotion time with the kids. So to kind of further reflect on how does God want you, you know, it's kid, yeah. kid friendly, friendly, yeah. <laughs> <Kid> friendly <laughs> questions about who am I and how does God want me to live? Um, so we talk through those things with them during that time. And we, um, then my husband says a blessing over them and, and a blessing for their upcoming week. And I think in doing that, there's a little bit of reflection like, oh, like dad is speaking truth to who he sees God has created me to be. And dad is reminding me like this is, you know, you are a unique individual and you do have um, a life that God has designed for you to walk in. Mm -hmm. And so those moments we do with our kids, give them um, time to reflect. And then also part of our 24 hours is our church service. So there's moments in that that they get to reflect but really it's through that really that um sabbath meal at the beginning of our sabbath that's really when the conversations have happened and it's very interesting because um having that dedicated space it doesn't happen every week that they go into these deep questions with us but there have been weeks where the kids are will we'll be talking and all of a sudden they'll be like wait wait, wait hold up hold up mom what does that mean dad mm -hmm. what, what do you mean by that and it gives us a chance to talk to them about questions, you know, um, about identity and purpose and belonging and all those things mm -hmm. in their in their terms and in their, you know, their words that they can understand. And so for them, that's their reflection time. Okay. Um, for me, it's the hour after that, um, after, during the kids going to bed, Steve puts them to bed. I um, spend that time writing out in my journal, asking myself the same reflection questions and really digging in deep with God during that time. Um, Steve and I spend time after that reflecting together as a couple and uh, uh, talking through this past week and, and what we hope for the next week and ways that we've seen God show up for us and, and different things like that. Um, and then uh, Steve, Steve doesn't have a like dedicated time during um, our Sabbath for his own reflection, but he also has an hour long commute. So he does a lot of reflecting during that. So 
now you've talked about a lot of things that you've created, a schedule, a prayer, uh, all those types of things. And so to someone going, well, this is interesting, but this can sound kind of overwhelming on how to even get started. But you have created a resource for people to help them get started. So can you tell us about that? Yes, I would love to. So I created a, a guided journal. Um, it developed out of my own rhythm of writing, reflecting on the same couple questions each week and um, realizing, oh, I I could help other people do this too. And so I designed um, the journal to help you into implement those rhythms of rest and re um, reflection throughout the week so that each day there's a little bit of rest and reflection happening so that by the time you get to your Sabbath, it's just an ability to dig in deeper into what you've already been looking at throughout the week. And so it starts with a devotion, um, a devotional that's short and um, easy to read. And then it gives you a little bit of a, a truth to rest in. And then each day there is um, a question to further ponder that truth that was talked about in the devotional and then a space for prayer so that you're reflecting and you're also giving those prayer requests to God and resting in his faithfulness. And then that goes throughout the whole week till you get to Sabbath. And then I, there's a spot for um, sermon notes. So when you're at church, you can jot down things you want to look into deeper. And then there's further reflection questions. And so there's a weekly look back that has the same three questions that you ask yourself each week. And then there's um, further question, questions that you can further dig into. And so I suggest picking only three because, you, you know, it can be overwhelming to do a lot. So I just suggest the three out of the list. And then there's a space to go into that. And then it wraps up with a, um, looking back on the prayer requests that God has answered. And um, and then there's a Sabbath prayer to at the end of the week to end with. And so um, that's how the journal is structured. The, uh, the way that the devotionals are set up. So it's interesting because I didn't write about rest in the devote in the guided journal. I wrote about the questions of identity, purpose and belonging. And so really the, the journal is helping you ask those questions with your creator in the space of Sabbath. So it implements those rhythms and of rest and, um, and reflection in order so that you can have these conversations with God about who am I, what do you want for my life, and how can I live into that? Mm, that's great. And so the journal is called Rest and Reflect, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a 13-week, 12-week. I can't 12 remember. Week. It's a 12-week. There is a three-month look back to it, so you can. Okay, um, so that's week so there's 13. There's technically 13 weeks in it, but okay. it's a 12-week journal. <laughs> Okay, because I'm like a quarter is 13 weeks. It um, is, which is why there's a third 13 yeah. weeks. Because you and I both know, we're like, we're like rule followers. Like there's 13 right. weeks in the month. It has to have the 13 weeks in the journal. 13 weeks in the quarter. I mean, so, 13 um, in the quarter, yeah. So, but you have it set up. So it's day one, day two. So if you say my Sabbath, because of how I work, is going to be Thursday dinner to Friday morning, mm -hmm. you you can adapt it for yourself. It's yes, not rigid exactly. in that regard. Yes, okay. I kept it very generic because, um, so yeah, it says day one and even the weeks are generic too, so that it doesn't matter where you start in the year with the journal. You can just start yeah. that week. Okay. So for the mom listening, who is juggling all the things, family and work, and since she's going to order this journal right after this interview is <laughs> done and she's not going to have it for a few days, what is um, one thing that she could do today to start moving into a place of Sabbath rest? 
So I would say the one thing she could do would be to pick um, pick a day. Just start with that. Deciding how much time you're going to spend, like devote to Sabbath and which day you're going to do that on. That would be the first thing you need to do. Um, from all else, that, that's kind of like your anchor point. When you know that, then you can prepare for it. You can plan for it. You can figure out what the structure was going to look like. But until you get that anchor point in there, you really can't move forward. So that's what mm -hmm. I would suggest doing. Figure out, is it going to, are you going to start with one hour a week? Are you going to try to do 10 hours? Are you going to do a full 24 hours? Start there and then decide, okay, which day of the week is this going to happen on? And then just commit to it and yeah. just do it. So be intentional, pick yep. the date, put it on the calendar, protect it. Um, yep. And I suppose as mom, she could decide to start with an hour for herself before yes. she begins to, to pull her family into this practice yes. as well. Um, yes, you could do that. That would be, if if you're hesitant, if you're like, I don't understand how the, or I'm not sure how this would work with everybody else, you know, give it an hour just to, and I don't, I want to make, I want to stress the point of like picking a day and a time, because if you're not intentional in that way, it can just fall right. off the calendar. It's like, oh, I'm right. going to do this hour and it's going to happen on Tuesday night sometime. If you're not intentional of when exactly, then it's very easy. Like, oh, you know, things got crazy at work and then it got crazy at home with dinners and baths and putting kids to bed. And now I'm exhausted. And I'm just going to fall asleep. Yeah. So um, it, it really does. It really is important to pick the date and time. Yeah. Well, those are that's great advice. It's good. It's a lot to think about. And um, so thank you for sharing all of that. And as our time wraps up here and we um, get to the end, um, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everyone, which is what is your favorite time saving gadget? Whew. And I knew you asked this too, and I forgot to like really have an answer. <laughs> like, my favorite time-saving gadget. Who? Um, it's not really a gadget. It's my spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> Excel, my Excel spreadsheet. Like being able to allocate time to things is like it's how I save my time because if I don't allocate, then it, you know things can kind of bleed into other things. And then mm -hmm. I, the thing that I intended to do end up not happening. So, um, that, so that's kind of like a really big deal for me is okay. my, my Excel spreadsheet. Okay. So it's how you plan out your time. That's, yeah. that's what saves you time. That's great. Yeah. So Rachel, how can people connect with you and uh, learn more about you and your journal and maybe any other resources that you have to offer? Yes. So my website is rachelferenbach.com. If you want to learn more about the journal, it's rachelferenbach.com slash journal. So really simple to get to. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Rachel Ferenbach and on Facebook at Rachel Ferenbach. So you can connect with me any of those different ways. You can find me there and um, check out um, some more writing about Sabbath and embracing your unique design and um, check out the journal too. Excellent. Well, thank you, Rachel, for your time today. Thanks for being here. And um, I look forward to seeing what you have for us down the road. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. Thanks for joining us today. 
I hope that you've started thinking about rest differently. To connect with Rachel and learn more about her journal and other resources she has to offer, head over to thismomknows.com slash podcast. And while you're there, grab your copy of five simple things you can do today to eliminate distractions.